It's the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. We have a great guy with us by the name of James Alberger. He has a book called The Art of Voice Acting, not the fifth edition. It's the sixth edition, and he joins us. Welcome. Thank you. Great to be here again. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bayerdynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth to Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And by Hamilton Stands, founded in 1883 in Hamilton, Ohio, Hamilton Stands is the oldest music and instrument stand maker in the world. They offer a broad range of sheet music stands, band and orchestra instrument stands, and combo stands, including mic stands, guitar and keyboard stands, and accessories. In fact, the broadcast you're listening to is made using a Hamilton stage rocker mic stand. Visit HamiltonStands.com. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission, to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics, along with free expert advice, total sound control products from Oralex. Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators. Our audience needs to know who you are, okay? Because uh, even though that you, know, you have been on, uh, you're an award-winning producer, a director, performance coach, voice actor, and more than 25 years of career in uh, with television, I should say, uh, 11 Emmy Awards, uh, and you opened Voice Acting and the Voice Acting Academy. Uh, you teach workshops uh, everywhere, and uh, you like long walks on the beach. Uh, here's James. <laughs> Hi. Hi, everybody. This is Jim here. There's some book that um, is well-known. It's called What Color Is Your Parachute? And it uh, kind of goes into like the 19th edition, the 20th edition, but it's it's a staple for someone who you know wants to figure out what their, their calling is in life. You're very similar with your book because when you do it right, and you're known for being a detail-oriented guy, uh, and getting it right, you're very, very thorough. And so your book has been uh, viewed much in the in the same light that it's a staple for anybody, uh, for sound, for voice acting, uh, for performance. Uh, why do you suppose that is? Uh, it's because I'm good at what I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. That must be it. Well, that is. Well, and I'm not saying that from uh, from a point of ego or anything. It's just that I am really good at what I do. And I do a number of different things. But when I got into really working in voiceover, because I, I came into that kind of through the back door as a television audio uh, producer and director. Yes. And when I left television, I had been working with so much voice talent over all the years that it was just natural to move into that. And I've been performing since I was 12. Magician. And a lot of people, including you know Johnny Carson, people started that way. 
uh, a lot of intelligent people. What's your IQ, by the way? You're, you're known as a smart man in the industry. I, I, I don't think I've ever had my IQ tested, so. Can we, can we do it live here? No. <laughs> <laughs> that might take a while, but no, I, have, I, have no, I have no idea. Now, when you find new things that kind of, uh, you know, you have to stay on top of it and things are changing in the industry for, for voiceovers and, and so forth. Uh, what have you done here as far as this sixth edition of the art of voice acting? So, well, so what I did with this edition is uh, I, I did something that I do in my workshops. And as far as I know, I'm the only one teaching voice acting that does this. If there's another coach out there that uses this approach, I'd love to talk to them. But in my workshops, the very first thing that we do out of the gate is we work monologues. Hmm. And so I, I thought, well, you know, it, makes, it works in the workshop. It makes total sense because a monologue covers just about every acting technique that is going to be covered for any genre of voiceover. So I figured, well, I'm going to put a chapter of monologues in. So I found a wonderful resource for monologue scripts, uh, and I've got about a dozen scripts. The, uh, the owner of the website gave me permission to include uh, their monologues, which, by the way, were all written by teenagers. Really? And some amazing writing. So I, I included a bunch of those monologues, and that's now in Chapter 4 is where we get into monologues, and I explain why I use monologues in, uh, in my training and my coaching. Uh, and it covers, I cover a lot of the business, but I reorganize things a lot. Some things I've moved from one chapter into another chapter. I just like the fact that you, you do, you cover everything. How do you feel about voiceover today uh, as opposed to years ago? I mean, I'm talking about just personally, as far as, you know, what's important for you to cover as a, an expert, uh, not only voice talent, but a coach, of course, and performance. But is there something about the voiceover field in general that you say it means more to you today than before? Voiceover has changed. The whole business of voiceover has changed a lot in the last, even the last five years. The thing about voiceover is that the performing side of voiceover is all based on acting and communicating, telling the story in an interesting and effective way. So that's really what my focus is. Um, on the business side of things, there is the whole voiceover industry is so much in flux right now with. Uh, all the gig sites that are out there, you know, Fiverr and whatever those other ones are. Yeah. Voices.com, Voice123, VoiceOver.com, everything. That's the whole other side of it. I mean, because the, the pay-to-plays are one thing. The, the, the discount rate sites like Fiverr and uh, the other ones, I can't remember their names off the top of my head. But, you know, that's a, another side of things. And then there's, of course, the talent agents and the talent agent, Situation has radically changed since Voices.com bought out VoiceBank mm, right. uh, years ago. That's changed the way the agents work. So everything is it's still moving. Everything's it's a, it's a moving target right now. Is, do you feel uncomfortable with that, or is it exciting, or do you do you ever venture to to wonder where the industry is going? I know sometimes people might even say that uh, with AI there won't be any more voice talent. I don't know. That's probably well, I, don't, wrong. I don't see that happening anytime soon. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, there's so much in in the performance and the nuance of a performance and the nuance of how you say a word and what the subtext of the word or the phrase is. Uh, I seriously doubt if AI is ever really going to be able to achieve that. Uh, hmm. 
but you know, time will tell. The guy said at Pixar, right? <laughs> they probably said, you'll never be able to. I mean, who knows? You know, it's just you never, you never. And it's scary to think, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't matter what industry it is. It's it's scary to think that they can actually maybe program a computer to duplicate human emotion. Yeah, I I don't know. I haven't really. Uh, taking the initiative to research that. So it's <laughs> well, not something that bothers me at the moment, though. Okay. So let's talk about um, the area that uh, that means the most to you in your new book, of course, The Art of Voice Acting, James Allberger. What what areas would you say, hey, buy my book because, I mean, we know that you're good at what you do because you said it, and, and other people say it, by the way, uh, in the industry. So why um, why get this uh, new, new edition? Uh, well, my focus ever since the very first edition, even though the book is about voiceover, the, really, the real core message is communication, verbal communication. How are you going to communicate your message? One of the things that I did in the sixth edition is I shifted a little bit, not a lot because it's still all about voice acting, but I shifted some of the focus to make it a little bit more versatile for other areas of communication, professional speakers, Actors, on-camera actors, stage actors, of course, voiceover talent. Basically, anybody who uses their voice to tell a story or to communicate a message can get something from this book. It's one of those books where you can literally turn to any page and there's gold. There's something that you can get mm-hmm. out of any, every page. And I've, I've had emails and letters come from people who tell me they keep a copy of this book with them all the time. And when they've got some downtime, they just pick, a, pick up a, their copy, open up a page, and start getting stuff. And you can also, you'll also get things that if you read through the book once, you'll get a lot out of it. You read through it again or just start opening random pages, you'll start realizing, oh, how did I miss that last time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've noticed that. It's, it's one of those kind of books. Mia, what is the, uh, the maker of the headphones that you're wearing? Oh, these are Sennheiser headphones. Sennheiser headphones. I was going to say, and you know, every time I have you on the program, they're, they're a new sponsor of, of the program. Oh, outstanding. Uh, yes. But uh, what I want to do, I want to go to commercial. That's okay. And we'll, we'll come right back with uh, James Allberger, his book, The Art of Voice Acting. Sennheiser has been continuously setting trends in the audio industry. Wherever people care passionately about recording, transmitting, or playing sound, Sennheiser will be there. Artists, disc jockeys, scientists, sound technicians, or demanding music lovers, the Sennheiser name always stands for premium products, headphones, microphones, and all-around audio solutions, the ultimate in sound quality, Sennheiser. All right, we're back with uh, James Allberger, and uh, he's all that in a bag of chips. The Art of Voice Acting is the name of the book, and it's the sixth edition, and he joins us. And so, uh, what you know, you've been on twice, and every time we learn something new, quite frankly, and uh, so what's... What's a couple of things you can throw our way that, uh, that we didn't learn last time? In the last year or so, I've been doing a lot of, of field audio and audio post-production for uh, independent filmmakers, especially here in San Diego. Yeah, that's big today. I mean, the, the so, indie films, yes. How do you like doing the, the casting? I imagine you do it for, for voiceovers and, and perhaps actors too, but uh, what's that like? It's an interesting process. One of the things about casting is that just constantly amazed me. Uh, it amazes me that there are how many, how few people actually follow the instructions. Mm-hmm. And they'll send in auditions that are totally inappropriate or totally unqualified for 
that particular uh, role, not just in terms of performance, but in terms of the quality, in terms of file naming, in terms of slating. Uh, There's so many things that can eliminate your audition from even being listened to. And it might be a brilliant audition. You might have this wonderful performance. But if you don't follow the instructions from the casting people, your audition may never get heard. Here's the reason why, and it's a really important thing to keep in mind, especially for those of you listening who are auditioning, whether it's on camera or for voiceover, whatever. Even if it's just a job application, the same concept applies. If you don't follow the instructions, you will be eliminated. It's not, you might be, you will be. It's nine times out of 10, you will be eliminated and you may not even be considered no matter how good you are, no matter how good your resume is, no matter how good your performance record is. Even if you're well-known, if you don't follow the instructions, bye-bye. Well, this is the reason why people like you, and I'm not saying that, is that you're not only are you detail-oriented, but you made a living, you know, 11 Emmy Awards, but with sound and everything. And, but you have to follow directions and you have to be into the details because mm-hmm. you know other people are into the details. So that's an, that's an interesting point. I bet people don't think about that. I'm sure. Yeah. And a lot of people who are on the casting side of things, many times they will throw into the audition, there will be a test. They're not going to tell you it's a test, but it is a test nonetheless. And the test is to see how well you follow instructions. If you follow the instructions to the letter and you submit your audition with the file name correct, with everything in the audio exactly right, then that tells the casting people and the producers, ah, this is somebody that I can work with because I can direct them. They will follow my instructions to get the performance to where I want it to be. The person who does not follow those instructions, the, the general opinion from the casting side and the producer side is, uh, okay, they can't even follow simple instructions on submitting an audition. How can I possibly trust them to be able to take my direction when I'm paying them? Well, this is almost too good to be true. If I told you that I had a script right here uh, through, through a chat here, uh, I'm putting you on the spot and you could say no, okay? But would you, would you be able to follow the directions as far as... Uh, Let me see the script. I'm sending it right there. In, in looking at the script, all I'm seeing is the script. I don't, I don't see what the directions are. So... And that happens a lot. When auditions are sent out, you sometimes don't get very much detail, if any, in terms of what the client's looking for. All you get are the words, the script. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, which is kind of what you've thrown at me here, um, I have to come up with an interpretation. I, I have to figure out how am I going to tell this story? Mm. And how am I going to tell the story in an interesting and compelling way? And those are the two key points. Interesting and compelling. And I talk a lot about this in the book, uh, is you know how to achieve that. How do you create that? And one of the things that I look at, the, one of the first things I look at in any script uh, is the structure of the script. How is the script put together? Because uh, there's a four-step process that I use whenever I'm producing or pretty much doing anything. Uh, it's, it, the initials are I-E-E-O, which stands for interrupt, engage, educate, offer. Mm. And the interrupt is, uh, how am I going to get the attention mm-hmm. of the person that I'm talking to? Every one of us does this instinctively, but we don't give any thought to it. Because if, you know, if you want to 
take your spouse out to a movie or something, you are initiating the conversation and you have the idea, well, you've got to get that person's attention, get them onto your page so that you can actually explain what it is you want to do and then give them an opportunity to say yes or no. And that kind of goes back to what you said. Not only do people maybe think they're better than they are, but probably they they think they're more interesting than than, (laughs) than what they are. some Some do. I mean, most people can be very interesting. And when you know some some basic acting techniques, you can take a script like the, this one you sent over. And uh, how would you do this if it was like in in your a conversation in your own mind? I, again, I'm putting you on the spot. You could say no. We can move on. Whatever you like. I, I'll be more than happy to. If it was just a, a conversation with you, and and if you're giving me an inner voice, because. Um, that's a, that seems to be a subtle thing. And you know, I try to do that, just uh, forget about a script. Just how would I even talk if I was in my inner voice? Interesting. So if they're looking for kind of an introspective self-talk sort of thing, then that's yeah, just... That's exactly what it is. That's going to be a very laid back, not at all projected. Right now I'm projecting a little bit. Uh, but the delivery style, it's going to be very soft-spoken, probably just above a whisper. And in looking at this script... I'm just also I forgot to mention red and more of a poetic way too. Oh, I hate those having that kind of. (laughs) So why why do you hate them? Why? Uh, Because they're they're contrived. Okay, so let me break down this script and go through it a couple of times. First thing I'm looking for is the interrupt. What is going to grab the listeners or the audience's attention? Get them off of whatever they're doing and get them onto my page, get, get their attention, get them to switch tracks, so to speak. Okay. So this script reads, the roads less taken is where I tread, the wayfarer on his endless journey, wandering the earth, seeking the unknown, seeking solace, seeking salvation, relentless, but never losing hope or sight of what's ahead. As I delve deep into the infinite abyss, I hear the universe calling out to me, Is this the end or just the beginning? Am I now or am I past? Am I now or am I past? Am I just... So they've got all kinds of typos in here. Actually, yeah, I think a fragment, yeah. Yeah, am I now or am I past? Missing a comma. Yes. Am I just a fragment of a greater reality? Am I just a fragment of a greater reality? Mm. So... Just in that one sentence, there's two typos. So I've got to fix those. Sorry. <laughs> uh, is this my conquest? Is this my conquest or is it my mind playing tricks on me? I hope this never ends and I hope to never wake up from this enchanting dream. The road's less known is where I tread. Another typo in that last line. They got it. Instead of is, it's H-I-S. Let me see. Oh my oh. goodness. Yeah. And you're right. <laughs> so, but this is really common with audition copy. Yeah. It's, it's going to be riddled with typos. Mm-hmm. This is another way of casting people test you as a performer. Really? Yes. Because if you read this literally, like if that one section, am I now or am I past? Am I just fragment of a greater reality? That doesn't make any sense. First mm-hmm. off, there's no phrasing because they're missing the commas. So you don't know where to, punctuated. It's just a string of words. Well, if I'm a casting person and I get an audition, that sounds like, am I now or am I past? Am I just fragment of a greater reality? <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, this person, bye-bye. They're out of contention. See you next. Next. 
because I probably got a hundred other auditions to listen to. And this person made a choice to read the copy verbatim as written and not make a couple of minor adjustments in their, uh, in the copy and the connection to, to make the words make sense. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Once again, if they don't know how to make the words make sense in an audition, how am I going to trust them to be able to make sense of something more elaborate and complex? Hmm. Because this is, you know, there could, this could be just a fraction of the whole story. A fragment of a different reality. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so looking at this from the IEEO structure, the interrupt, the roads less taken is where I tread, the wayfarer on his endless journey. Okay, the first line, the road less taken is where I tread, interrupt gets your attention, it's kind of saying, okay, well, what's he talking about? What roads are less taken? So as a performer, you've got to figure out how are you going to say that phrase in a way that's going to grab their attention. If I just say, the roads less taken is where I tread, doesn't really mean much. But if I, if I bring the, my mic in a little bit closer and I drop my voice and I say, the roads less taken is where I tread. Okay, like so much more intimate, much warmer, Mm -hmm. uh, much more introspective, more of the inner voice, which is what they're asking for. And that's going to grab people's attention. Strong interrupt. So how are you going to say the first, the first few words to draw the listener in? Second part is engagement. What are we going to do? And this is often in the way the copy is written, but we also have to do this as performers. How are we going to speak the words to keep that person, now that we've got their attention, we want to keep them engaged and to keep listening to us. So how do we do that? And with this copy, the next line, the wayfarer on his endless journey, wandering the earth, seeking the unknown, seeking solace, seeking salvation, relentless, but never losing hope or sight of what's ahead. A really long run-on mm -hmm. sentence. Yes. But that's basically the engagement to keep people listening. So in terms of the delivery, what we've got to do is figure out how we're going to make this run-on sentence have some meaning and drama to it that's mm -hmm. going to pull the listener in. So the third part is education. Education is really the, the meat of a message. You know, in terms of a commercial, it's really this, it's the product benefits and, you know, this is, you know, how it's going to benefit you. This is what you get when you buy our product, yada, yada. That's all the education part. Uh, some commercials ha are all education, which are not very effective. And other commercials have very little education or they focus on just one tiny little comment and the rest of the messages all interrupt in engagement to keep you listening. So you get that one little nugget. Mm-hmm. So in this particular script, the education is, as I delve deep into the infinite abyss, I hear the universe calling out to me. Is this the end or just the beginning? Am I now or am, am I past? Am I just a fragment of a greater reality? So this has a lot of self-thought, a lot of, of uh, introspection and you know, contemplation of you know, how, what's my place in the universe. And then the, the fourth component is the offer. And the offer is most commonly found in a commercial. And it's the invitation to buy. You know, buy now, get your copy, you know, 20, within the next 24 hours and you get this bonus or whatever it is. But it's the offer. It's the invitation to do something with the information that was just shared. Now, this particular script does not have an offer. Mm -hmm. uh, the offer would be, if this is a television script, which it looks like it would likely be, the offer is going to be visual 
at the end of the spot. Mm-hmm. So television often does not have an offer in the voiceover. It's a visual offer. Sometimes it's a jingle. Sometimes it's a tag that's voiced by somebody else. Sometimes yeah, I mean, it can be just about anything. But uh, uh, for this particular spot, there is no specific offer. The thing that comes closest to the offer is the last line where it says, I hope this never ends. And I hope to never wake up from this enchanting dream. The roads less known is where I tread. Mm. And, and so the reason that I say that is that it's close to an offer is because it's making the statement that this is how I live my life. You can do this too. Mm. So, but that's an, it's an implied offer. The, 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 the official stated offer would probably be in the visual where, you know, gives the name of the car in a big title on the final screen. And uh, this is one of those spots that looks like it's kind of a national. Yes, uh, you're right. Boy, everything you're right about. <laughs> uh, national you spot got this thing picked out. And just to let our audience know, we're with award-winning producer, uh, James Allberger. He's, uh, uh, well, I mean, he's everything when it comes to voiceovers and voice acting and performance and audiovisual. But the art of voice acting is his creme de la creme. He's known for this book. It's, uh, you're going to learn everything about voice acting. And he has the sixth edition out to what people say about it. You know, I started using the art of voice acting. I was teaching a voice and diction class in my acting school. And uh, it goes on to say, you know, it's, it's considered the Bible of voice acting. And so um, I want to give out your website. The interview is not over. I just want people to, you know, to be able to get a hold of you. Thousands of people, hundreds of thousands, you know, that are interested in voiceovers. How can people reach you? Uh, my website is voiceacting.com. One of the things, if you go to the website and you sign up for my email list, you'll instantly get a PDF copy of a little book I wrote called How to Get Jobs for the Voices in Your Head. Hmm. And in that little book, I cover my seven core elements of performing, uh, which we, I think we talked about those on one of my other yes. experiences here. Uh, but you'll learn all about that. And the Interrupt, Engage, Educate offers covered a little bit in there as well. So that's a really cool uh, introduction to using your voice for communication um, because all of us have voices in our head that are talking to us. So why not get them jobs? <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Uh, you're right about that. If I, so what you have, it's very interesting though, the way that you're uh, doing this. And of course you teach people how to do this as far as how to look at a script because you know, it's, it's not easy to know where to go. Speaking of roads, you know, how do you, how do you draw all this together? But so, well, you've done a good job of doing that and, um, you want to touch it or you think uh, you're done with it or what do you think you want to, um, I'm not sure. I'll give, I'll give it a shot. All right. One of the, th another, I just want to touch on one other thing that I'll do as I'm woodshedding the script. And by the way, when uh, woodshedding is that process of breaking down the copies, sort of like what I've been doing with the uh, IWO and breaking down how those components fit in with this script, but it gets more detailed than that. So that's just one aspect of, of the wood shedding process. Other things that you do in wood shedding is you're basically trying to figure out what's the subtext, what's going on behind these words that I can use to make my telling of this story interesting and compelling. So one way of doing that is to create kind of a slideshow in your own imagination mm. for the different words or different phrases. So like the roads less taken is where I tread. So in my imagination, I have just kind of a, a spacious desert with one little tiny road going through it. Mm. Uh, the wayfarer on his endless journey, wandering the earth, seeking the unknown. 
you know, uh, another picture of just kind of this, just a kind of somebody wandering aimlessly in the desert, just out there in the middle of nowhere. So when you create that kind of Im- imagery in your imagination, mm-hmm. you are building subtext for the story. I see. You're putting a foundation to how you're going to s- describe what's going on and how you're going to speak the words. And it works. One of the things that I'm looking for as I'm reading through the script and getting a sense of what the story is and how it could be told is uh, I'm, I'm trying to get a sense of you know, what, the, what the right sound is for mm-hmm. this, mm-hmm. which is something that the copywriter has a sound in their head. Yes. They know what they want this to sound like. Mm-hmm. They probably cannot tell you what they want it to sound like. Mm. And the description that they give when they say introspective, self-talk, laid back, not at all announcery, very casual, whatever those descriptive words are, that's probably their best way of explaining what they're hearing in their head. Yes. And your job as the performer is to understand that or figure it out or get as close to that as possible. Would you mind if we take a <laughs> take a okay. little break? We'll be right back. James Alberg, sure. voice coach and uh, coming right back with him right after this. Sennheiser has been continuously setting trends in the audio industry. Wherever people care passionately about recording, transmitting, or playing sound, Sennheiser will be there. Artists, disc jockeys, scientists, sound technicians, or demanding music lovers, the Sennheiser name always stands for premium products, headphones, microphones, and all-around audio solutions. The ultimate in sound quality. Sennheiser. Who is this story about? It's about, a, I think, a 30-year-old guy who just sees finally his chance at having freedom. Okay, that's, that's great. That's all you need to know. So when, when this person is telling the story, who's he, who's he talking? First off, who's he talking to? Who he is, is his audience? It and seems like it's just, you know, that not middle, 30-year-old, I guess, but a, a, that crisis where there's a little bit of conflict and he's talking to himself in his mind and in that inner voice and um, trying to, I guess, think through it and process uh, where he is. Uh, right, good. Something like that. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's all rhetorical. He's talking to himself, mm-hmm. totally talking to himself. When you're talking to yourself, it's a different tone of voice. It's a different attitude. Mm. You talk to yourself differently than the way you talk to other people. Mm-hmm. Some of us get really loud when we talk to ourselves. <laughs> That's another story entirely. Uh, so my first direction to you would be to, to focus on you. You know, you've got to be the character, but you're, be, you're focusing on the character talking to himself. So on that first line, it really sums it up. The roads less taken is where, and then there's the pronoun I. Mm. General rule of thumb is don't, don't punch pronouns. Mm-hmm. However, in the context of this particular script, the whole story is about you. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's about me, the guy who's experiencing this. This is my life. This is my experience. This is what I do. This is how I live. So when you say, if you were to deliver this and you throw away the eye, now put a spin on it. The roads less taken is where I tread. Mm. The wayfarer on his endless journey, wandering the earth, Seeking the unknown. See, now just by putting that little spin on that one pronoun at the very beginning, now everything else that follows, the listener knows it's him talking about himself. Yes. This is 
his life. So it's just one little detail. This is all self-talk and you're focusing on, okay, who am I? The whole idea is, you know, how are you going to make this interesting and compelling? And if you look at your copy from that angle, how am I going to make this interesting and compelling? That opens up some new doors for you because you're not just reading the words and you're not, you're not you trying to be the character. It allows you to become the character. You're hearing from James Allberger. He's our special guest, award-winning producer, director, performance coach, as you can tell, and voice actor. And he's 11 Emmy Awards as well as, as, for, as a sound engineer. Is that right? I, I'm really an audio production specialist. That's my main trade. And I voice acting so. is an adjunct of that. We don't certainly. just give those away like at a garage sale. That's 11 Emmys. And yep. uh, you can hear the, the wealth of uh, knowledge he has. The book is The Art of Voice Acting, and he has the sixth edition, and he covers more. The first section is on the performance craft, where I cover a lot of technique, a lot of tricks and you know, how do you find character? How do you become the character? How do you deal with different aspects of performance? There's also a lot of... Uh, of uh, of tips and tricks on how to care for your voice in different situations. Uh, but that's all in the performance side. There's another section where I get into home studios and the technology of our business and voiceover. And uh, then almost the second half of the book is really focused on the business side of voiceover. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's tricky sometimes when it comes to rates and, and how to conduct business and, um, you know, should you give a contract, should you not, and you get the money up front. Do you? Yeah, well, the, the answer to the contract question is yes. Get a contract. Oh, get a contract. Don't rely on, on just a word of mouth. Always have some, some, something in writing. People are afraid it, to do that. They're afraid people are going to you know, be turned away if they put a contract. And, and people are afraid to get the money up front in this business. Can it be unhealthy, do you think, though, sometimes the lives of a, a voice actor when it comes to, are you ever get worried that these uh, little closets or studios, that are, they're too small and they, can it affect their minds at all? Um, well, <laughs> I don't know. It depends upon how, how isolation affects you. I mean, it would be crazy to go into an isolated uh, vocal booth or whisper room uh, that those are usually about four by four by seven or eight feet. So they're small isolated rooms and most of them don't have adequate ventilation. So you're in this stuffy little box. It would be crazy for somebody to sit in there uh, for three or four hours at a sitting without opening the door and letting fresh air in from time to time or getting up and leaving and stretching after a confinement. Yeah. Uh, one of the things, there's something in, uh, in the book. Uh, I don't think it's in the sixth. I think it's in the fifth edition. Uh, I talk about called the Pomodoro technique is basically a time management process where you set up your time management in 20 minute increments. You work for 20 minutes and then you take a 10 minute break and then you come back and do another 20, 10 minute break. And what that does is it keeps you fresh. It keeps you on focus and it allows you to get much more accomplished because you are truly focused on a single task for that 20 minute period. Most of us will, will flit from one thing to another, you know, when we're, uh, when we're doing the business side of things, you know, we'll pay a bill, then we'll come over and we'll write an email, then we'll check something else. And so there's really a uh, very little focus for a lot of us. I mean, I imagine that th there could be a real grind. Is it crazy for people to send out a hundred emails a day to uh, production companies or, uh, I mean, you have to be like an animal, right? When it comes to marketing, are people, does it stop for them right there when they re realize that it, it needs to be just a hobby or uh, do you really have to just 
you know, be relentless on the phone. And speaking of relentless, you know, and, uh, uh, and emails. When you start your day before noon, do three specific things to move your business forward. That could be sending out emails. It could be writing cover letters. It could be working on your website. It could be anything, but three, only three specific things. Don't do anything else. Well, that makes sense. I mean, at, at noon, take your lunch break. Afternoon, it's wide open. Do whatever you want to do. Afternoon, but before noon, every day, do three specific things. And you don't need to do all three. I mean, maybe one day you're just doing one specific thing. But again, it's, it's that focus. The focus is going to get more results than trying to do a lot. Mm. And I, I get calls occasionally from people who are, uh, who are, are interested in doing voiceover. Um, the most common thing I hear is that, you know, I wanted to, wanted to do voiceover or wanted to do uh, animation voices since I was a kid. But, you know, I had a family to take care of. I had career to take care of. But now I'm wrapping that all that up. The kids are out of the house. Now the next 20 years are for me. And I really wanted to explore this. Okay. So for those people, they've got a passion for doing this. They have a really strong desire, a strong passion, and there's a very good chance that they will be successful. I get other calls from people who's, who are interested in doing voiceover because somebody said they've got a great voice and should be doing commercials or mm-hmm. doing cartoons or something. Why do you suppose people get into it, I guess, mid-age or, or later, and people will say, I wish I knew about this earlier. I mean, how, why does it, it's a generalization, but why does it happen at that point in life, 40s, 50s, where, where a person says, oh my goodness, I wish I knew about this before. Is well, it, I think a lot of it has to do with a lot of people when, when they're going through their 30s and 40s, they're taking care of their family. You know, they're raising kids, getting their kids off to college. They've got a, you know, they've got a career to think of and their focus is on other things. And once they get to that point where, okay, they're empty nesters and time is now theirs. They see the world as, okay, I did that for the family. From this point forward, it's my time to play. So that's when they start exploring other options and voiceovers often sounds very interesting because it, it is fun. But it is also a work and it's a business. And if you don't understand what you're doing, you know, it, it's not all that much fun. But with the proper training, like with my book and with my workshops, and even just going to the voiceacting.com website, you will learn a lot. True. About voiceover. It's good to have it so comprehensive. I mean, I hate to say because we've had other authors, but the, um, you, you can get you can get everything in this book. I mean, let's put it that way. Okay. But you admit though, that uh, there are other coaches out there and that you ever, you know, they, they bring good things into the table, some books, you oh, ever sure. look at other people's books and say that that's, that's well done. Oh yeah. Oh sure. Absolutely. My book is not, it's not the end all book on voiceover. Oh yes, it uh, is. <laughs> well, <laughs> there are other books out there that have a lot of really good information. Uh, Kate McClanahan has a book of the voiceover encyclopedia. Excellent stuff. Um, easy reading, lots of good information. Mark Cashman has a book called VO. Uh, Mark and I are good friends. He asked me to write the forward to that book. So I, I've forgotten how many books I've written forwards for now. But <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote the forward to Mark's book. Lots of good information. He covers voiceover from a different angle, a different perspective. So there are a, a great many other books out there. Uh, another uh, coach that I will very proudly promote is Patrick Fraley. Mm-hmm, uh, yes. 
you know, uh, I don't know if he's, he's been, been on the program. Yes, he has. Oh, yeah. Pat is awesome. He's brilliant. He's nice man. Very, very nice guy. Talented. And, and he's got a lot of different products and, and books and things, not so much books, but more manuals and more training programs um, that cover different facets and different aspects of voiceover and performance for different genres. And Pat's material is brilliant. And I'm proud to call him a friend of mine as well. He's a, he's a great guy, and um, and he does these. <laughs> he always it takes me by surprise when he does these voices, and and uh, of course you know cartoons. He made a living uh, doing yeah. that in all different voiceover, but uh, Teenage Ninja Turtles, I believe, is that right? And uh, that I mean, he was in the uh, Men in Black. He was one of the worms in the coffee room. Oh wow! Uh, I didn't I didn't even know uh, that. Yeah, he did. He was one of the worms. I don't know which one, but. One of the big, one of the worms in the coffee room in Men in Black. Yeah. And I mean, he's done over, I'm, when I first met him, which was early 2000s, uh, he had done, by that point, he had already done more than 4,000 different character voices. So he must be up to six or 8,000 by now. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's important that, I'm, it's good that you're friends with everybody here because, I don't know, sometimes I think you're just maybe just relied upon as, as having all the answers. I mean, people turn to you because their careers are at stake or they need an audition or they need uh, something done about their room. And you're like the answer guy, but you, you also need uh, friends in this business too. Do you have a lot of friends outside of, or do you prefer to have people, you know, mainly in voiceover? Um. I have some friends outside of voiceover, but not a lot. Most of my contacts are in the film industry, entertainment, mm -hmm. and voiceover communities. And you always like uh, learning about all the new trends and everything that's well, out there? I mean, I, I mentioned Constantly learning, constantly yeah. learning. That's, see, that's oh, the yeah. difference right there. I'm researching things all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of what I do is location sound recording for film and video productions. I tend to look at things from a slightly different angle many times. How so? Um, well, whereas most people would look at a script, like we'll take the script that we were working on a while ago, the roads less taken is where I tread. They might take that script and they might approach it from a strictly analytical point of view. Whereas I take that script and I look at it, okay, who is this guy that's talking? It's a little bit different approach. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, who is he? What's he all about? You know, what is it really, what is it that makes him a wayfarer on an endless journey? Mm. Um, there's a technique that I have in my book where I call it look for question marks in the copy. I, I remember that. Lots and lots of questions. Lots of questions. The more questions you can ask, the better. Because the questions that you ask uh, are going to, well, they're first off, they're questions and they need to be answered. And when you answer those questions, and there are no right or wrong answers, there are just answers. But when you answer those questions, you are giving the story subtext. So you get so, here the roads. What roads? Why are the roads? Um, yeah. Where are how, the wide, roads? how wide are the roads? Are they paved roads? Are they dirt roads? Describe it. You know, what are the roads like? Um, less taken. What does that mean? Does that mean that maybe there's only one person that walks that road in a year? Could be. And the next part is where I tread. Okay, tread. What am, what am I doing when I'm treading? Am I just walking? Am I on my skateboard? Or, you know, okay, I'm walking. How are my shoes doing? Are my shoes getting worn out from all this treading? See, so there's an endless, unlimited amount of questions that you can ask about any script. I mean, we just covered the first line and we had, what, six or seven different questions true. right there. And with each one of those answers, you're giving more subtext to the story. So by the time you do that and you get through the script, Oh, my goodness, guess what? You 
are putting yourself in the shoes of the character. James, would you say that people should consider this a hobby and don't quit their day job? Or, or let's just say that someone's doing it, they have a, a certain level of success and they want to go for it. Or is it, is it where, when do you have caution about this whole thing where you tell people, no, just go for it full time or, or always keep it a hobby? And how do, how do people know when it's time to do this full time? It's partly going to depend upon when, where they are in their life when they really start pursuing voiceover. Uh, the, the general rule of thumb that I use is to, yeah, don't quit the day job because voiceover, it's, it's a tough nut to crack. It can be really challenging to break into it. Approach it as a business because it is a business. And if you're going to be successful, you have to treat it as a business. It can't be treated as a hobby and, and you expect to really make a career out of it. So you have to, you have to understand the business side. Now, it's fine if you want to just do, join fan dub pages and some voiceover groups and meetup groups and that sort of thing and just to have fun with it. That's perfectly fine. But if you really want to make it a career or become a second career or move into this after you've retired, then approach it as a business. Uh, if you've already got a job, don't give it up just to do voiceover. You know, don't jump into the deep end of the pool without learning how to swim first. That's true. So, so it, but it's going to be different for everybody. It's a real, very thorough view of, of course, it's captured in your book too, The Art of Voice Acting, but they don't always get to see it like that. You know, I mean, from this uh, business, it seems like uh, you've seen it from every angle. I mean, you're just getting started. I mean, you're, yeah. you're, you're just full of, uh, full of life, but this, uh, this or full of it, to, to take your choice. Yeah, but this career has <laughs> <laughs> the friends in it, the people, and the, they're all talented and creative, but it's given you life. It's given you a great career, uh, and you're still going strong. Of course, it's the sixth edition. Go get the book, The Art of Voice Acting, James Allberger, who has been our special guest and a wealth of knowledge, and you'll be happy that you got the book as well. And go on his website as well, voiceacting.com. Thank you for being on the program. Hey, thank you, Michael. It's been a pleasure once again. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailor solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bairdynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth to Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And by Hamilton Stands, founded in 1883 in Hamilton, Ohio, Hamilton Stands is the oldest music and instrument stand maker in the world. They offer a broad range of sheet music stands, band and orchestra instrument stands, and combo stands, including mic stands, guitar and keyboard stands, and accessories. In fact, the broadcast you're listening to is made using a Hamilton stage rocker mic stand. Visit HamiltonStands.com. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission, to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics, along with free expert advice, total sound control products from Oralex. Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. 
And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators.